Good morning. Good morning. This week, reading Parsha Shlach, and Parsha Shlach has the mitzvah of separating chal. Whenever you um, make dough, make a certain amount of dough, you have to separate some of the dough and give it as a gift to Hashem. The way you give it to Hashem is by giving it to the Kohanim. The, the Kohanim, the priests, have a uh, considered Shulchad um, Rachmana, emissaries of Hashem. By giving it to them, it's like giving it to Hashem. And now, because we don't have a way to purify the dough in a way that the Kohen could benefit from it, so we burn it, but we still separate the challah. So today we're going to learn about the inner meaning of this mitzvah. And the, in this week's Torah portion, right after the uh, mitzvah of challah, in that same Torah portion, we have the, the, the um, prohibition of idolatry. And the question is, what's the connection between challah and idolatry? So the Talmud says, right, as um, brought down in the commentaries, that anyone who keeps this mitzvah is, is, destroys idolatry. Anyone who does not keep this mitzvah sustains idolatry. Idolatry and the mitzvah of challah are in sync. If you keep challah, it's like you're, you're destroying idolatry. If you don't keep challah, it's like you're sustaining idolatry. If you, if, you neg- if you neglect this mitzvah, if you nullify this mitzvah, it's like you're creating idolatry. And if you um, keep this mitzvah, you negate idolatry. Now, there is other commandments that the Torah equates with idolatry. And, but the Torah uses a different kind of language and all other things that compares to idolatry. It says anyone who keeps this commandment, it's as if he denies idolatry. And who does not keep this command, it's as if he agrees with idolatry, agrees with, with, with um, worshipping idols. But here the Talmud changes from its usual words, and it says, It phrases in a very unusual way. It sounds like it's saying that the idolatry is already there, and if you keep the mitzvah challah, you're destroying the idolatry. And if you don't keep the mitzvah challah, you're sustaining the existing idolatry. So what is it talking about? So to understand this, you have to understand first how idolatry started, what idolatry is about. So Maimonides tells us the history of idolatry. Maimonides says that Hashem uh, sustains the world through the stars, through the zodiac, but it's not that the zodiac and the stars have any power. It's identical. They, they can, the stars in the zodiac don't have any free choice to decide what should come into the world, what shouldn't come into the world. They're just like, just like the sun and the moon don't have a choice about the sustenance they give the world. The sun should give them heat or a light. There's no choice that the sun makes. The sun is not a separate entity that has free choice. Rather, Hasidus compares um, the way Hashem sustains the world through the zodiac and through the stars and through the sun and the moon. Hasidus compares this to an axe in the hand of a woodchopper. When a woodchopper knocks down a tree, who knocks down the tree? The, the woodchopper or the axe? The axe is just a tool in the hands of the woodchopper. Axe doesn't do anything by itself, it's just a tool. And so too, the um, sustenance that comes to the world through the various tools, they're just tools. They don't have any power on their own. But the original idolaters, they didn't know that. 
they thought that because the sustenance in the world comes through these stars, they thought that we should, they have some kind of free choice. We should attribute some kind of honor to the stars, honor to the, to the mazolis. That was, that's, what they're, that's what they thought. And their children made a bigger mistake. And their mistake was that not just that, uh, that there's some power, some free choice in the, in the hands of the stars, but that the stars are the sole um, power, the, the only power that governs what happens in the world. So the original idolaters, they did create altars and temples to worship various stars, but they, they still were aware that Hashem is the God of all gods. He's the most powerful. He's the one who created the other, the other gods in their, in, their, in their false narrative, in their false opinion. But... Um, their children didn't, um, they, they made a bigger mistake. They thought that not just Hashem gives them some kind of power, some kind of free will, but they thought worse, they thought that Hashem has totally left the world in the hands of the stars and the zodiac, and there's no, there's no governance at all by Hashem, except for maybe once in a while, he would get involved, something big happened, but he left completely in the hands of the stars. So, the, um, the parallel for idolatry in our lives is not just then taking a piece of wood and saying, Keliata, you are my God, taking a, a stone, taking a piece of metal and saying, you're my God. That's not the only kind of thing that's idolatrous. But also, if a person does business and they buy and they sell and they feel that it's because they bought and they sold that they earned something, it's because that's what nature says. If you buy and you sell, and you, you bought for one price, sell for a higher price, you've now earned some money. They, if, they, if a person feels that way, they're similar to idolaters because they are ascribing some kind of power to the means through which Hashem gave them sustenance. The, the, their buying and selling, their intellectual prowess, their connections, their, their suppliers, and they're the ones they sell to, they don't have any real power. There's no, there's no real other force over here that's, that's hap- that, that's, there's nothing called a business that has a separate entity from Hashem. It's just a tool that Hashem is using to uh, sustain you. Hashem is giving you, everything that's happening is only Hashem m- making it happen. And yes, Hashem asks us to make a vessel for His blessings, but it's not that there's any power at all in the vessel. The vessel is merely just that, a vessel. And it's only Hashem alone that's, that's supporting us. So, so it, since idolatry is not only um, bowing to an idol, but it's subscribing to some kind of intermediary, and believing this intermediary has some kind of power, it's believing the stars have some kind of power. So the way to negate idolatry is to also similarly to realize that the means through which Hashem sends us sustenance doesn't have any power or force on its own. And rather, there's nothing besides Hashem. And as Chassidus explains, not only are there no forces besides Hashem, but there's nothing at all that exists besides Hashem. Everything that exists is only, is only godliness. Hashem is the only reality. And so, so the, the way that a person um, expresses his faith in Hashem is by separating some of his dough and giving his dough to Hashem. How? Dough and challah and bread aren't just um, uh, items that belong to us. But bread represents all of human needs. 
as it says in the Talmud, um, that when Hashem created man, He created man last after all the creatures. Why was man created last? He created man last because He wanted man to be able to enter the meal immediately. The words the Torah uses to enter the meal um, are emblematic of how all, of all of man's needs. God created all of man's needs first before He created man, so man could go immediately and to enjoy the, uh, what Hashem created for him. So we see in the Talmud, by, using, by Talmud using the word meal, that all of man's needs are compared to dough, compared to bread. So when you give away from your bread to Hashem, what are you saying? You're saying that, that everything I have is from Hashem. And when you don't give away the bread to Hashem, what are you saying? You're saying it's not from Hashem. So that's the comparison of the bread to idolatry and faith in general. Um, the Talmud says that it took a long time for Avraham, our father, to recognize Hashem. Abraham lived at a time when everyone was pagan, everyone worshipped idols, and it, didn't, it wasn't obvious to Avraham either that Hashem created the world. Why? Because in, the way Hashem created the world is, is in a way of concealment. He hides himself. The word world in Hebrew, olam, Olam comes to the word helem. Olam comes to the word concealment. Hashem created the world in a way that it conceals and hides godliness. So since the world conceals godliness, it took Avram some time to discern Hashem's providence, to, to realize what's going on, especially because everyone around him was, uh, was pagan. And that's why the Talmud says that Jews who live in, outside of Israel, they're considered like idolaters. If you live outside of Israel, you're considered like you're serving idolatry in some subtle form. Why are you serving idolatry in some subtle form? You're just living, just because you're living in Los Angeles, that means already you're an idolater? What does that mean? So it means it's like this. If you're living in a place where godliness is hidden, what, is, what are you seeing? You're seeing something that is a, is a lie. You're seeing something which denies the truth. You're looking at a physical reality, and it looks like this physical reality is independent. It has its own, own, um, own space. It's, 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 it's telling you a lie. It's, there's an expression by Hasidim, Welt liked, the world lies. The world's saying a lie. The world's saying, I am. And it's really not. All toad existence is only Hashem. But it says, I am. I'm here by myself. So living in this kind of environment, it's harder to realize divine providence, hard to realize that Hashem is taking care of us. And therefore, just in this, living in this environment, automatically it gives us, it conditions us to some subtle form of ascribing some other force other than Hashem to, what's, to the happenings of our life. As opposed to Israel. What's Israel? Israel is a place, the Talmud says, God's eyes are upon the land from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. God's eyes upon the land means that God gives special attention to the land of Israel and divine providence in Israel is equal to the rest of the world except that it's more revealed. In Israel it's more obvious how the dots connect. Outside of Israel the divine flow, the divine sustenance has more contractions and more concealments. In Israel divine flow is more revealed. And that's why Israel, the Talmud says, is supported by rain. They need rain in order to have the agriculture in Israel, as opposed to other countries like Egypt, where it's supported by, by the Nile River and its tributaries. 
Israel supported solely by rain. And the reason Hashem gives Israel rain to support Israel is because Hashem <coughs> wants the Jewish people to look heavenward for their sustenance, to feel dependent on Hashem. So when you're living in Israel, living in a place where divine providence is more obvious, living in a place where your sustenance comes from heaven, clearly you need the rain that Hashem is going to send for your sustenance. So then it's a lot easier to recognize Hashem and therefore um, only for the outside of Israel where God's sustenance is more contracted, more concealed, um, do, do you, does it condition you to some kind of subtle form of, of idolatry? So that's the meaning of the Talmud statement. We asked before, it sounds very, very funny and the Talmud phrases it. If you keep the mitzvah of challah, you destroy the idolatry. If you don't keep the mitzvah of challah, you are establishing idolatry. It sounds like we're talking about some kind of existing idolatry because we are. The existing idolatry we're talking about is the natural state of the world. The way Hashem, the intrinsic way Hashem made the world. Hashem made the world in a way that it denies godliness. Hashem made the world in a way that it hides its source. That it covers up the truth. That it is a sort of, a pseudo kind of idolatry. Some kind of, it's like idolatry. The world itself is like an idolatry. So if you don't keep the mitzvah challah, so then you're supporting the, the concealment. You're, you're ascribing that the concealment is real, that there is some kind of force outside of Hashem. By, by doing the mitzvah challah, the existing idolatry, you're negating it and you're piercing through it and saying, no, I recognize the truth that it's not the way it looks. That's why um, the um, Rashi, when he explains this mitzvah, he notes that the Torah compares this mitzvah of mitzvah of challah to the mitzvah of separating truma, mitzvah of giving a percentage of your field, of the grain, to a kohen. Rashi says there's a similarity. What's a similarity? Similarity is there's no biblical amount you're obligated to give to a kohen. There's no, there's no defined amount. There's no, there's no amount. You give anything you want. So Rashi says the same as with mitzvah of challah. Challah has no amount. There's no prescribed amount of how much you have to give. Why is there no prescribed amount? Rashi continues, he says, there's no biblical amount. However, there is a rabbinical amount. If you're a baker, you have to, if you are own a bakery, so you have to give a percentage of 148th of your dough to the Kohen. And if you are not a baker, you're just making bread at home, you have to give a 24th of your dough, Tasha. But biblically, there's no amount. Why is no amount biblically? There's no amount biblically because faith and idolatry have no number, no quantifying number. It, we find a logic reflection to this idea. Aved Zara is something which the tiniest amount of it is considered um, idolatry. There's no sheer, there's no amount to a forbidden substance that was used for idolatry. Because idolatry is something which... Chaim, Chaim. My, my great-grandfather, Rabbi Sol Nevler, one, one uh, Friday, this woman came to him and she brought him a chicken to ask him if the chicken was kosher. She took the chicken home and she saw something in the chicken and she was wondering if it's kosher. So he takes the chicken. Don't try this at home, folks. The chicken, the, the dead chicken. And he starts jumping on it. <laughs> and he says, you are not kosher, you are treif, you are treif, you are treif. Treif. And she looks at him as if he fell off the moon. 
Like, what are you doing? He said, it's a little bit treif. But I want you to know a little bit treif is chazer treif. A little bit treif is absolutely like chazer. It's, it's, it's a worse kind of treif. It's, a little treif is total treif. So too with idolatry. If you have in your mind something, you subscribe some other force to creation, it could be that it's not a complete idolatry, but a little bit of idolatry is idolatry. And so too, if it's not, as long as it's not the pure faith, nothing besides Hashem, it is some subtle, subtle form, it is idolatry. And eventually it can lead to, to the worst forms of idolatry. You're describing some, some subtle form of some other power besides Hashem, it can lead to all kinds of things. Conversely, faith in quality is also something which has no amount. Faith has no amount and idolatry has no amount. It's, beyond, it's, it's, it's something which is, you're turning towards Hashem. Let me say it this way. There's a beautiful explanation of the Baal Shem Tev on the second Torah portion of Shema. I think about this almost every time I say Shema. It's a beautiful teaching. Baal Shem Tev says, um, in the second paragraph of Shema, Hashem talks about future mistakes of Jewish people. And Hashem says, be careful. Let your heart seduce you. And you'll turn away and you'll serve other gods. That's what the verse says. Baal Shem Tev says, by turning away from Hashem, that's already idolatry. The moment you say that whatever's happened in your life is not Hashem, that's already idolatry. You've already entered the zone of idolatry just by turning away from Hashem. By saying it's not Hashem, that's already idolatry. Understand? As soon as you turn away from Hashem, that's already... If you say this happened, but it wasn't Hashem who did it, doesn't matter. Whatever you say, it happened. However you say it happened, you say, you say any kind of reason why it happened, any part, any part of what happened that wasn't Hashem, any part of what's going on is not Hashem doing it. That's a very desire. Therefore, there's no biblical commandment. There's no biblical command of how much you have to give challah because challah is faith, and faith has no number, and idolatry has no number. However, Rashi adds the sages did give a number. The sages gave a number that if you are a businessman who owns a bakery, you have to give one forty-eighth. And if you are a private baker, you have 124th. What's that mean? Chachamim. The word chacham means the wise men. But this means in the realm of wisdom, in the realm of your mind, then there is a number. There are bigger mistakes and there are smaller mistakes. The, in, in, if we're talking about what's beyond logic and reason, the faith itself, how it's beyond logic, there's no number. But if you're talking about the faith, how it trickles down into your psyche and how you think and how your perspective is in the world, then there are larger mistakes and there are smaller mistakes. If you're talking about the essence of faith, the essence of faith doesn't have a number. And what's the number? So very interesting. A businessman has to give less dough to the coin, and a private baker has to give more to the coin. Why? Who is more prone to make a mistake? So Hasidah says, if you're making the bread at home, and so you're not, you're not a businessman, you're just going to the store and you're buying the dough and buying the and you're making it home. You don't really have to think it through, and you don't have to really question um, the whole system, the whole process. You're not trying to think about getting a cheaper flour and a better flour and your competitors, and you don't notice as much the divine providence of what's going on. However, when you're a businessman and you have to and you have to deal with the competition and you have to go through the whole process, you have to order from here and order from there. And you're going through, businessmen, Hasidah says, when you're in business, you see divine providence clearly. When you're in business, you see openly and clearly Hashem takes care of you. Someone who's studying Torah all day doesn't see Hashem's providence so clearly because he's not looking at, at the events of the world so much. Nowadays, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, 
Torah scholars are like businessmen in that sense because they are out in the world. They do see what's going on. But a businessman is someone who sees it more. If he's in business, he sees it more. He sees how Hashem causes things to connect the way he didn't expect it. He, he sees Hashem's hand more. And therefore, the Chachamim, they said that there needs to be more of an emphasis on those who are making the bread at home to give more dough to Hashem. They need a bigger reminder. Those who are in business, they don't need such a reminder. Because they see it openly and clearly, and therefore they need some reminder, yes, but not as much as someone who is uh, making the bread at home. So that's the basic message the Torah is giving us this week in the Femitz of Chala, is to, is to realize that absolute faith that whatever's going on in our life is only because of Hashem's providence. The more we think about this, the more we feel, feel this, the calmer we are. We're in a state of, in a state of tranquility we are. That's, this mitzvah gives us, removes the idolatry of the world. This mitzvah is not just a, a physical one, it's a spiritual one. But when we give to Hashem, whatever we're giving to Hashem, it's, it, it helps align us with the reality of what we have. When you give away to Hashem, whatever you're giving, giving stuck also. Whenever you give to Hashem, it aligns you with, with who you are and what you know, and it strengthens you, it prepares you for, for the coming of Mashiach, and we'll see with our eyes how Hashem takes care of every detail that's going on in the world. We should we see, see it happen immediately. Thank you for that, Mamish. L'chaim, l'chaim. L'chaim, Any questions, comments? Amen. All right, take care. Before they change the currency.